Hello and welcome to the Wise GP podcast. Thanks for joining me again. I'm Joanna Riley and today I'm here with Sophie Rowlands, who's a GP who's done lots of interesting international work. She's currently the education co-lead on the Junior International Com- Committee for the RCGP and also does education for MSF. Sophie, thanks a lot for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Could you just tell me a bit about you and about your career journey. So when did you qualify as a GP? So I qualified as a GP back in 2017. I was one of those people who went straight through from foundation training, straight into GP, knew what I wanted to do. Um, And I actually did a four-month extension to my training to do a PG cert as well at the end. Great. So you're somebody who's quite decisive and just went for it with GP training. Yeah, I thought with um, becoming a GP lots of other doors open to me so um yeah it felt like the right decision for me to to go straight in it's a great job for that sort of thing isn't it or first maybe could you tell us a little bit about what the international the junior international committee is um... yeah so the we call ourselves the jic so we're a committee of 16 first five gps and aits we all serve a three-year voluntary term on the committee um, and we're broken up into six sub-teams. So I'm on the education and training team. We have a research team, image, beyond Europe, exchange. And we're basically responsible for working alongside RTGP International to provide opportunities for GP trainees and first five GPs to get more involved in international primary care. Um, so we do all sorts of things. We attend conferences. We organise conference exchanges, exchanges in primary care. Um, for GPs from other countries and also GPs and GP trainees from the UK. We hold an annual symposium, we do webinars, and so there's lots and lots going on. Sounds great. What attracted you to that kind of work? Um, so when I was at university, um, I did an integrated degree in German and Spanish because I'd done German at A-level. And as part of that, I went over to um, Shadow in a hospital, actually, in Germany, So I had my first experience of sort of shadowing in another country. And then when I was a GP trainee, I heard about the Erasmus scheme where you can go overseas for two weeks um, to shadow a GP in another country. Um, And then I had a GP come over and shadow me as well for two weeks. So I went to Germany when I was an ST3 using some of my study leave. And that was a really fulfilling experience and was organised by the JIC. And then through that, I started attending more JIC events um, and then eventually applied for a position on the committee. Yeah, that's great. It sounds really interesting. I guess one of the things that's um, sometimes tricky in primary care is we, I think the cultural context and the way people do things in different countries can be quite different, but it's sometimes difficult to appreciate that. I guess People know quite a lot about Australia and New Zealand because people so commonly go and work there. And America, obviously, we all know the system is very different. But our European neighbours, certainly I feel I don't always have much insight into how primary care differs and how it's the same. Um, I suppose partly that's because of the language barrier with us Brits being often quite poor at languages. Um, I think my um, very, very basic French, I would struggle to do any sort of meaningful consultation. Um, But... is that sort of thing that you're arranging, it sounds like it it could be really useful and sort of provide an insight into the way we do things. Do you get much feedback from GPs who've done the exchanges? Yeah, it, it gets really, really good feedback. And it's not just, as you say, it's not just about seeing another system, but you really come back and you look at our own system through fresh eyes. 
And there are some things that we do that you think, wow, that's brilliant. You know, we should keep doing that. And there are other things that you, that we do that you think, gosh, you know, we could do this a completely different way and it would work much better. And is it just for newly qualified GPs or do more experienced GPs also go on these exchanges? So through Wonka, there are different programs. Um, a lot of the, the ones that we organise are aimed at sort of first five GPs and GP trainees. Um, but through Wonka, there are other exchanges that people can go on. And at the moment, most of the exchanges are happening virtually. So I went on a virtual exchange to Brazil, Peru and Mexico about three months ago. Oh, great. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it was basically, it was an evening event. Um, it was a few hours and they had a GP from each country um, who took you into their practice so some people have pre-filmed it and took you around and other people were actually at work and showing you what they were doing and consulting um, with lots of us watching on zoom and then we had a discussion um, with GPs from lots of different countries about what we did what we'd seen and what we do differently in our own country that was a really really great learning experience and there is another virtual exchange coming up um, look out for that on the Wonka website Okay, great. And that sort of stuff would be on the Wonka website. And what sort of takeaways did you have from the Brazil one? Because I know they've got huge problems with COVID-19 at the moment. Was that discussed at all or was it mainly around systems? Yeah, they did discuss that. So like us, they switched over to telemedicine pretty quickly. Um, And they also have um, community health workers who are attached to each practice who all cover a street or two and go out and then know the patients quite well, know who's unwell. So that was very different. Um, And then the way they social distance, because obviously the weather's much better over there. They have their waiting room outside now. Oh, um, yes. To allow for social distancing, which I don't think would go down very well here with the weather, but uh, really interesting. So I think this was um, just before when they were just experiencing the, the sort of bad second wave. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. The other thing they had that I thought was really great is they had dentistry within their practice. So in the NHS, obviously, it's so separate. And mm-hmm. we always get so many patients frustrated with their dental issues who come to see us and we're the wrong people. I thought, gosh, that just makes so much sense to have dentistry as part of primary care. It would make life easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. Is there anything about structures that you've seen from different countries that you think has been interesting? Because we've obviously got the partnership model here in the NHS, which I think is fairly unique, but I could be wrong on that. As far as I'm aware, a lot of doctors tend to be salaried in other areas. Um, do you know what their opinions are on that? Has anyone shared anything with you? Yeah, so um, Germany is the country that I know best because um, I've been there a few times, but they do have um, the partnership model in Germany, um, but they're much smaller practices. They tend to be one or two GPs and then maybe one or two salaries working alongside them, um, but they don't have practice managers generally in Germany. So the partners are responsible for all the HR and all the additional admin as well. So it's quite a big workload for them. They have, they switch over to out of hours on a Wednesday and a Friday afternoon. So that's their time for doing all their sort of partnership admin. And they're amazed at how big our practices are and how many partners they have in them because there's a much, much smaller. Oh, okay. That's interesting to know. And would you ever want to go and work there or you think it would be too difficult or like in the different language? Or? My husband doesn't speak German, so I think that's the sort of rate limiting step on that. Was point. <laughs> but um, it's... It's a different system to work in um, because it's insurance based. They have access to a lot more things. So say if you've got, um, I was staying with a GP and her husband and he'd had a back injury and he was going for a rehab program 
every day sort of a full full nine to five day of having intensive physio for his back um so there's lots of things that they can offer that we just can't offer on the nhs um but it's also a bit different with patients and with the rapport when there is a sort of financial incentive there in the consultation so they have to code everything to get paid they get paid by how many patients they see every three months so follow-ups tend to be every three months because then the patient comes back in and they get paid again um so it did make me really appreciate the way that our system is set up as a national health system that we don't have to worry about so much about all the finances and coding yeah things. that is um that's definitely a blessing of the nhs isn't it and often with uh, when patients come back from having been in the european country and sometimes they bring letters with them and i'm often startled by the numbers of investigations that they might have had which we wouldn't necessarily have done in the nhs so Perhaps in some, perhaps there's something to learn from that, that perhaps there's some things we could manage a bit more proactively, but also if we're looking to kind of reduce investigations and reduce unnecessary tests, it seems like the NHS is a better model because we don't have that financial incentive to, to go ahead and do all these tests, I suppose. The thing they use lots actually as an investigation in Germany is ultrasounds. They all have an ultrasound machine in their room and as trainees, you have to get signed off for doing a certain amount of ultrasounds. And through the insurance companies, um, patients after a certain age get a checkup okay. each year. And if you're with a good insurance company, that includes an ultrasound. So um, they'd be sort of ultrasounding a 95-year-old's kidneys. And I'd be thinking, oh, I don't really know why we're doing this. <laughs> but it's a completely different skill set that obviously we, we just don't have as GPs in the UK. I'm not sure I'd know how to start with an ultrasound machine. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, it's really interesting seeing all the, all the differences. So could I move on and maybe ask you a bit about your work with MSF now? So I understand you do some educational work for them, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So as part of um, a JIC event, actually, um, I found out about an education programme which isn't run by MSF, it's run by a different charity, um, that going out to provide education um, for nurse practitioners from Karens Bay to Myanmar. So going to a refugee camp on the Thai-Myanmar border to, to offer the teaching. And as part of doing that work, I then thought it would be a really good idea for me to get my diploma in tropical medicine, um, just so that I'm able to answer questions better and things when I'm out there. Um, so I did the MSF, Global Health and Humanitarian Medicine course, in my first year um, post-qualification as a GP. Um, and it's a year-long course. It allows you to sit the diploma in tropical medicine, um, but do it alongside work. So it's one evening a week versus some of the other courses that are full-time. And then as part of that, I was then asked if I wanted to come back and um, be a tutor on that course. So I've been doing that for the last year. Um, and it means I have a small group of doctors from different countries um, and I provide tutorials for them online um, sort of once a month, once every two weeks or so to help them to then get their diploma. And that's all doctors, is it, that you're working with? Yeah, yeah. So it's all postgraduate doctors who are wanting to get a further qualification in tropical medicine. And are people sort of offering advice remotely now to areas that need humanitarian support? Is that something that MSF is involved in organising? Yeah, I don't know about MSF, but I know through the JIC I've heard about some opportunities where that was already happening pre-pandemic. So I know there's a charity that does that in Zambia. Um, and then there are some more opportunities um, that have come up as a result of the pandemic where there's sort of a global forum. Um, where people can submit cases that they want help with yeah um yeah I think I know about that charity actually it's called virtual doctors yeah. so did you 
go to do the training that you discussed with MSF um, at some point in your training for the nurse practitioners? Was that something you did in person? Yeah, so that was that was with a different charity called Hope for the World, and I did it um, as once I qualified. Um, I went out, I've done two trips so far. So it's a really good charity that allows you to go out um, and do sh- like short-term education. So it's a year-long training program for the nurse practitioners, but they have GPs who come out and each teach for a couple of weeks at a time. Um, and there's also some CPD work as well that we do through that. So yeah, so I've been out twice so far. Obviously, that's paused at the moment because of the pandemic, but hopefully in the future we'll be starting back up again. Do you think the short-term nature of that works okay? Because I guess one of the difficulties could be kind of doing something meaningful in quite a short period of time? It took me a long time to decide about a volunteer project that I wanted to work on for that reason, that I wanted to do something that was sustainable. I feel it is because it is education rather than doing clinical work. So we go into um, a hospital, and but we do bedside teaching for our students. Um, and then also the same trainers come back year after year. So you get to know the local trainers, um, you get to know the local students. Obviously, it's a lot of travel back and forth and plane tickets, but because of the like the nature um, of sort of the civil war in Myanmar, it wouldn't be okay for other people to do it. So the fact that we're coming from overseas and providing the education um, means that these these nurse practitioners get education because otherwise there wouldn't be anything. Yeah, so I think on balance, it is training training um, nurse practitioners up to then go back into their own communities. Um, and yeah and lots of people do it as a long term sort of two weeks every year yeah so they get the opportunity to make those long-term connections and things because I guess we've I've talked a bit about health inequalities on this podcast um, but I suppose when we talk about health inequalities we're often focusing quite narrowly on um, western countries but of course the biggest health inequalities are related to and what's happening in the low-income countries and worldwide. Is that something the um, Junior International Committee is kind of focused on at yeah, all? Yeah, so or? we have a Beyond Europe team, and we are trying through that to um, make partnerships in other countries um, to be able to offer um, some, some support and some sort of joint education as well. We did have a partnership with a um, hospital in Uganda that um, people were going out to for a year at a time. I think we're not involved with that at the moment, but that project is still ongoing. Yeah, I guess it's something lots of people want to be involved in, but then the NHS has a way of kind of channeling you into training or channeling you into something else. And sometimes um, these opportunities to take time out can be um, limited. It sounds like you've got great resources there. Was there anything else you wanted to tell us about that you thought people might find interesting or um, useful or anything at all? If, if you're interested in global health and international primary care, um, then check out um, RTGP JIC on Twitter, on Facebook, and you can find out about all the opportunities that are coming up to get more involved. And there's always committee roles coming up as well. So if you would want to possibly be on the committee for three years, um, then look out for that as well. Great. Thanks very much then, Sophie. Um, and we'll put a link to Wonka and... Um, the RCGP GIC on the website because I think it's all really interesting it's all part of um, GP scholarship so you can also look on there and and see about that Um, but yeah thanks a lot for joining me thank you for having me